Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. I had this pleasure of hosting a workshop with one of her students, well, with a group of her students um, a few years ago. Namia Cheryl is an artist based in the D.C. metro area. Her drawings and paintings play with everyday absurdities, as well as her womanhood and the lack thereof. People have described her art as trippy and unsettling. Please welcome to the show, Minami. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I'd like to start off by asking, why do some people describe your work as unsettling? Um, Probably because it tends to be pictures of these very, uh, these people with these very exaggerated features. Um, There is some, um, I am, you know, Okinawan Japanese in background, and there is some like, I guess, anime or manga influence in my work. And so, but instead of being sort of the cutesy look you would associate with that type of art, it tends to be more like these round, huge staring eyes that are kind of unsettling, I guess, um, because there's like this emptiness inside of them. And they also tend to sort of be in these very absurd or um, weird and kind of just sometimes distressing looking situations, I think. Um, you know, one of my best friends actually described my artwork to me as nihilist abominations. So, um, and yeah, I, I guess that's probably why. And also my work tends to be in black and white, which I think can have a very stark um, effect. So do you agree with that? Or how would you describe your own work personally? Uh, I, I, I am fine with that description. I think it's funny and kind of entertaining. And I um, I also do have a kind of um, sort of, I guess, nihilistic or not nihilistic, but sort of absurdist um, perspective on the world or like a, an appreciation for um, how wacky and strange mm-hmm. the world can be. And um I've had a lot of sort of chaos and crazy stuff happen in my own life. And so I've gotten to the point where to get through it, I kind of just sort of see it as kind of entertaining or find what's interesting or compelling in those things. Mm-hmm. And so I try to get that across in my artwork as well. That's fantastic. So take us on a journey of um, how you ended up in DC. Where are you originally from? Um, where were you born? And how did you end up here? Yeah, so I my so my parents are both Okinawan. Um, it's it's an they're an indigenous Japanese people, um, or they're indigenous to a part of what is now Japan that used to be its own kingdom, mm-hmm. um, and still has its own culture, its own separate language, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so there are a lot of pretty big differences between you know Okinawan culture and you know Japanese culture. But um, okay. so that's where my parents are from. And so I, my dad was a military guy. And um, so I was born in California, was only there for like less than a year. So I don't remember at all. It was Bakersfield, <laughs> which is not one of the cool parts of California at all. 
Um, and so I spent my childhood in South Florida. Um, you know, we went through Hurricane Andrew, lost all our mm. stuff, destroyed all that stuff. So that was my formative childhood experience. Um, and I think a lot of my my sense of like disaster and sort of crazy stuff happening came from that sort of yeah. being my normal mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and so as a teenager, we moved up to Northern Virginia or first to Southern Virginia, Williamsburg, then to Northern Virginia, um, where I, you know, spent high school and then I went to college in DC mm-hmm. and, um, now I work in DC. Awesome. So was art school your first, um, you know, thing on your list or did you have other aspirations to do something else other than the arts? I actually wanted to be either a linguist or some kind of writer or editor um, mm-hmm. growing up. But what happened was I uh, was extremely depressed in high school. And um, basically the only class I did work for was my art classes. Mm-hmm. And then the only um, thing I got a scholarship for to go to college was for art school. So I was like, well, I have money to do this. So I might as well just go do art school. And so I did. Right. So what was your experience like at art school? Because I know for myself, I didn't really have a lot of um, art friends growing up. I didn't go to a school that taught, you know, art at all, Um, maybe just for a few years. But Mm -hmm. going to art school for me was so overwhelming, yet so comforting at the same time. So I wanted to know what your experience was um, going to an art school. It was interesting. Um, I felt like... um... For art school being a place full of weird people, basically, I was, (laughs) I still somehow managed to be one of the weirder ones, I think, in my class, Um, which is saying a lot because I was also in the fine art department, which I think you were as well, if I remember correctly. I was. Um, And so, you know, it was, um, it was nice to be in a space where, you know, that sort of, the more sort of um, subversive, I guess, parts of my personality were welcomed and, you know, encouraged. And, um, I was, you know, given a lot of sort of, yeah, encouragement to, to be sort of my, my weird, nutty, abrasive self and make weird, gross, abrasive art and things like that. Cause you know, my background, I'd actually grew up a, one of Jehovah's witnesses, um, which is a very, Yeah. And, you know, if I remember right, you had a guest recently who was also a Jehovah's Witness, Mm -hmm. um, I'm remembering right. But um, so it is a very um, conservative upbringing. Um, I am, I'm not one any longer, but it's a very conservative upbringing. And, um, you know, the type of art I like to make is art that would definitely make people in that community, you know, side, give me the side eye if they knew what I was making. Yeah. So it's leading sort of this like split life of, you know, my very conservative, good girl, like, um, you know, Jehovah's Witness life and also my art school stuff, you know, while still being like, um, you know, I never did any kind of drugs. I rarely drank. So I was like living, I was living the religion. I wasn't being hypocritical about it, but I was also making art that I knew, like if, you know, my mother saw, for example, she'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so weird. (laughs) So, um, so yeah. And another thing I thought was interesting that I'd like to hear your thoughts on, um, me and a friend, you know, Aslan, who I believe we might have yes, met through. Yes, I know Aslan. Yes, we actually do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we would talk about how a thing we noticed that it didn't seem like a lot of other people noticed is that 
there were a lot of like, there was a lot of like racist stuff going on in art school, which was so, you know, people in art school are tend to be very leftist, very liberal, and Mm -hmm. to think of themselves as this bastion of like liberalism and progressive values and stuff, but people Mm -hmm. would say and do like racist stuff. And yeah, definitely, you know, all the, yeah. And all the students of color in my, you know, fine art group kind of almost like banded together a bit because, Mm -hmm. you know, there was like just a small handful of us, everyone else was like, you know, white and, um, there were things we were experiencing. We tried it. We would try to express it through our art and get this weird pushback that would be like, why is your art always about black stuff? Or like, yeah. why do you have to make, you're not even really Asian. Why are you making art about Asian stuff? And we, yes. it would just, we would just be like, are we crazy? Like me and Aslan would just be like, are we crazy? Or is this like, is this, this is happening, right? Like we, we both know this is happening and, yeah. you know, so um and what I so kind it, of it noticed, oh, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying what I kind of noticed. I actually absolutely resonate with what you're saying. Um, but what I, I noticed as well was I had no idea there were other people of color because I think they did a thing where they would put us in classes and just put us as like to meet their quota. But I had no idea how many of us they were until, you know, you're walking down the hall or I meet Aslan and she has more friends that are people of color. Whereas before, I just felt like I was the only one, you know, <laughs> amongst many. But I totally agree with you as far as critiques where I felt like, yes, this is the content of my work because this is my identity, you know. And I think that when you see yourself all the time, you can't really understand how others are experiencing the world, you know. So I can agree with you. Or if you don't want to make art about race where, you know, Brianna you know, had Mm -hmm. her performance pieces, but they always associated her work with race when she really wasn't trying to touch on that subject. Mm -hmm. So it's, it it was a hit or a miss, but I think for me, the overwhelming part about art school, the sense of overwhelmingness was about, you know, the race qualities. And I think it brought about a lot of anxiety that I don't think I would have had had I went to an HBCU. I'm not saying I hated my experience at Corcoran. I loved my experience at Corcoran, but there were those you know, things that were not spoken about and everybody kind of thought that was the Rainbow Nation when they were things <laughs> that you kind of noticed if you were a person of color that was going on. Um, so yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. Um, what would you say um, really helped your craft as an artist from art college or art school? Honestly, um, as I had said before, people just encouraging me to just be me and to... Um, the most helpful things I heard were specifically um, one of my teachers, Jim Rick, um, mm. told me, um, you know, you, he told me that, you know, you're thoughtful enough that you literally can just like fill a wall with doodles or just draw whatever you freaking want. Don't worry about like, oh, I have to have this whole like theory and stuff like built up behind it and stuff. He's like, no, right. just draw whatever you want and it'll be interesting. You'll you'll just come up with a story about it because that's what you do. And I've noticed mm. that you do that. I'd be like, no, I have to like make this really detailed oil painting that references like all these different parts of art history and these like really thought out ways and stuff. Yeah. And, but it turned out that he was right because that's all that kind of 
stuff is all that I make now that he was referring to. And, you know, Judy Sutherland was also another um, one who helped me a lot where she was just like, just draw whatever you feel like. And yeah, just draw, don't make yeah, it too complex. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another, another really helpful thing that Jim told me was, you know, I can tell you're really struggling in art school. You're going to, once you get out of art school, you're going to be doing so much better with your art. Oh, and he was right about that too. But, yeah. you know, I did have to, I appreciate having gone through art school and learned that I could do that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sort of in its way gave me a lot of, a lot more artistic freedom that I didn't realize I would have because I know prior, prior to art school, I was very much on this like mindset of like, oh my gosh, I have to like perfect my technique in every single thing I right. do or else like, it's not good enough. And, you know, like, oh, the anatomy has to be perfect. The, the color value, the colors, the values have to be perfect. Everything has to like be correct and you know, mm-hmm. done the right quote unquote right way. And the teachers who I appreciated the most were just like, no, don't, don't worry about any of that. That's not important for what you do and how right. you do it. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I also think that part of the lesson that I learned was while we were in school, we were able to explore so much that when I left school, I was now understanding how to find my voice. I still haven't found that voice, but I know the tools to, to get there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Where I didn't have to be fixated on that one subject or that one thing, mm-hmm. or, you know, that one technique that you were mentioning that you needed to perfect, but it's like having the exposure to other peers, having the exposure to different materials and just being around that environment of also getting feedback from critique was, was so influential for me. I don't think I would be the type of artist I would be today without it. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Cause I think, I feel like for me, one of the best things I learned from art school was learning what not to listen to and what not to yes, do. We exactly. got to so much, I learned like, okay, I really don't like sculpture and I'm just mm-hmm. not going to do it. I have so much respect for it and for other people who do it, but I right. am just not, that's not a process that I absolutely you know what take a step to, back mm-hmm. exactly and so Definitely. and even like learning how to process critique and understand like oh um you know I can pick and choose what's useful to me not everything right. is useful some of it might be whether I want to hear it or not some might be useful but then some things that I even think I want to hear might not be useful to what I'm actually trying to do and so I think I do think art school really helped me to like hone that mindset towards you know getting feedback and critique Definitely. So let's talk more about professional practice. Um, I know that you recently mentioned that you were willing to help other artists, like with resumes, with artist statements and CVs. How important do you think that information is for artists to have? Um, I also know you have a wonderful website. So what what is the importance of having everything together professionally, like your professional practice as an artist? Um, Not so much the creative side, but more so like if you're trying to get a fellowship or a grant or expose yourself to other people. Unfortunately, you know, the thing that drives me crazy is that those things are essential to that. If you want to be like a quote unquote practicing fine artist where you know right. you are getting fellowships and residencies and getting the exhibitions, you have to have all that stuff tight. Right. And, you know, unless you do go like the one class we went through where we learned to do that was, you know, Jamie McClellan's class. Um, I think prof- it was called professional practices. Mm-hmm. And we learned how to, you know, write an artist statement, do an artist bio, um, put together a website, how to apply for stuff and things like that, which was so useful. But 
not everybody gets that, you know, not like I had a friend who majored in art at like William and Mary Mm. and she was like, I don't know any of this stuff. You know, I don't know anything about galleries. I don't know anything about galleries. I don't know about like how to apply for stuff, how to get in shows. And they just didn't learn that, you know, so you can even go like major in art and not learn that stuff. And that even when you do go through that course, it's, you know, you have to know how to write in a certain way. You have to Mm -hmm. know how to like research really well, how to find information. And that's not a skill. I think that, you know, everybody knows that they, they have to, or a set of skills that people know they have to develop. And so, you know, it's definitely, yeah, it's, I, I do know to, you know, and then there's also like stuff like application fees, you know, that's Mm -hmm. another thing that you need, you have to have money to even apply for stuff. Absolutely. And that's so funny that you mentioned about the professional practice course, because when I took the course my last year, I was just like, we should have had this freshman year. Like, why wait until now? Because the amount of information was so extensive, my brain couldn't handle it all at once, you know? Yeah. And I still refer back to that book, but it's like, there's certain qualities and things that I'm like, I still need refreshes Mm. on and I'm like I don't know what to do or I don't know the right way of doing it so yeah I mean like you said it was so much I didn't start implementing (laughs) it this past year yeah like once I was done with school I was like my brain was fried I just and there were like personal circumstances that I was dealing with as well like my mother had cancer and I was dealing with that for a number of years and so on like Mm -hmm. yeah but um you know I just couldn't even get my brain in the space to be doing the professional practices part of art until this past year. Mm, that's yeah. how long we to. That's how long it took for everything to just feel that's ready. So real, ready yeah. To get like pushed out. So, yeah, so, yeah. Wow. So you know, I it's important for me to like when I see that it makes me feel like you know I'm very lucky that I am you know I'm good at reading, I'm good at researching, I'm good at writing. But that's a lot of that's luck or support I've had from other people, and so I'm like any way I can support other artists to, you know, over to like, just not have those hurdles be hurdles. It's like, I, I would like to, you know, support, especially, you know, people I know and friends and stuff like that. That is, that is fantastic. Cause I also feel like as artists, we are a community and especially in this area in DC, there's, you know, we have a small knit community where almost everybody kind of knows everyone or, you know, someone yeah. knows that person. So just having someone like you that has that valuable information is, is, so helpful <laughs> to the um, artists. So I hope great. I hope it is. I I you know I I work as an art educator just in my mm. in my regular job and my role is to mostly find exhibitions for the boys artwork yeah that I work with and to you know get their work in galleries and stuff and so I, I see very closely how how difficult it is for artists if you don't already have an in or if you're not like Mm -hmm. already like trained that very expensive training you know so yeah and I just feel like you know there's work that can be done to make it more accessible to people who need it fantastic so I do want to pivot at this point about your experience as an art educator because I love you know um, life pieces to masterpieces can you share a little bit more about the organization and what you exactly do of course. Yeah. I, I love talking about life pieces. Um, so they are an arts organization that's been around for over 25 years and they are for black boys and young men specifically to um, give them the opportunity to um, express their life experiences through the arts and to use that to change 
their life challenges into possibilities for themselves. So um, it does, we do, you know, art and we also do character development and academic support as well. So that's wonderful. So how has, has any of that experience as an art educator helped you with your own personal work or how you approach yourself as an artist? Absolutely. Because, um, you know, I, I'm always having the children make art. Um, and so <laughs> it makes me feel like, oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm being exposed to all this creative stuff as I'm doing research for like lesson plans and things. Yeah. And so it, may, it gives me inspiration and also just makes me excited to be like, it, it makes me see like for myself, how much fun it, it can be to do art, you know, mm-hmm. and when I see how much fun the children are having with it. And, you know, it also, um, it reminds me a lot of, you know, when I was a child and, you know, my family was extremely poor and mm-hmm. we had like, the only reason I was able to go to art school is because of some very kind people who helped me. Oh, wow helped me through that and like financially. And mm-hmm. so I, I see a lot of, you know, just how both important and vital art is and seeing it with the boys, it reminds me of how important it's been in my life and how mm-hmm. it's changed my life, being able to, you know, have access to, you know, be able to do art and also how hard it can be to break into that but how it is possible if you do have support. Absolutely. And I definitely feel you on the the inspiration part of just being surrounded by youth because as an educator right now, it made me realize that I'm meant to be an artist because I kind of, you know, going to education, I was just like, okay, I don't know if I can be the artist that I want to be. Yet I'm going into this environment. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to be making work. Like this is what I'm made to do. I can be an artist and an educator, you know, in my own right, in my own way. So it's really made me take my work seriously and really like my goals are bigger than they used to be as far as my mm-hmm. personal practice now. So yeah, I can definitely understand. Yeah. It's like both things feed into each other. You know, mm-hmm. when you're an educator, it feeds into like your personal practice, but also that personal practice, you know, it's like you're filling up your own cup so that you have more to give. Right. You know, exactly. To, to, the people you work with. So. Absolutely. So um, explain your portrait process, because I know that you have digital art, but you also do some wonderful portraiture. Um, Uh How, like, how do you just like decide what you're working on first, or do you have an idea for digital art and you work on that? And are they the same or are they different? Are you doing portraits for commission or is it just what's in your mind that you want to create? Well, to start with, I, I just always love making pictures of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's what interests me the most about art. Um, like the depiction of other human beings and humanity. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I do a portrait, what I do is um, I basically Usually when I do a portrait, I, it's from a picture I photo I've taken. I'm not a good photographer at all, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I can, I can like, I, I, I can do sufficiently enough to, you know, get, you know, something that I can work with. 
And then I grid it out onto like paper. Mm. And then for my acrylic and oil portraits, I, I paint it on, you know, on canvas or on watercolor paper. Um, but yeah, I do grid it out. Um, I, I was yelled at in corporate <laughs> for not like projecting instead using a projector, oh. but I'm like, I don't like that process though. I like the process of like, you know, just being very like nitty gritty by hand, Absolutely. And, you know, being able to, even if I'm like still gritting, so it's not like drawing totally freehand, but you know, I still have that you know, my own personal touch in the decisions I make in my lines and so on. So and also I don't have a projector. So. Yeah. <laughs> so gridding is just much easier and I enjoy the process more. Um, for digital art, um, I don't think I do any digital portraits. When I do portraits, I do it traditionally. Mostly I work in. Oh, wow. Yeah. When I do digital work, it's more like these sort of surreal, um, surrealist kind of goofy like scenarios I Mm. guess so okay yeah no because I guess that's my question now so what material do you use for your work because I'm looking at your website I'm like thinking I'm looking at digital art but are you actually drawing yeah yeah I hand draw everything wow Um, that's fantastic I'm blown away even more (laughs) thank you I mean the reason I do it is because digital drawing is actually really hard for me like oh my gosh yeah like difficult for me to like my hand-eye coordination is just doesn't quite connect with um wow. <laughs> working yeah. with a tablet so I, I hand draw everything and then um when I do like color things digitally it's because I want a more garish like very sort of artificial kind of bright like in your face ripping into your eyeballs kind of color scheme um so mm-hmm. those are my digital like pieces because they are these very like kind of surreal absurdist wacky weird um scenes um but for most of my work like the black and white stuff is all um done by hand um it's uh just I draw it in pencil I ink it with pen and then I fill it in with black ink um now me that is amazing I I had no idea like I thought literally you were doing it you know via computer but that's amazing oh I I do it by hand Thank you. It's it's actually because I'm just terrible with machines yeah. of any kind. Oh my so goodness. I'm just the my brain connects better when my, I'm like touching it directly. But um, yeah. And so for most of my color work, I usually work in watercolor. So okay, great, wonderful. So um, let me see. I just lost my question. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. So can you share about the comic book that you're getting ready to release? Um, and how did you? get that opportunity or did you start it yourself um so um I am just gonna hope my editor never listens to this um but (laughs) uh so yeah she's actually really nice and great and I love her but um so I was doing a little table at small press expo which is an Mm -hmm. indie comics convention in Bethesda Maryland that happens every year and um this very quiet nice lady just came up bought a comic book and left and I didn't think more of it and she emailed me saying she was an editor for um Holiday House which is a um gets distributed by a random house and she Mm. was like would you like to do a a children's comic book with us it's 32 pages and I was like okay that's amazing yeah so I I agreed to it I got an advance and now um I think COVID kind of really threw off the publishing schedule of a lot of publishing houses so right now I'm kind of like waiting on revisions for um my second draft pretty much and um, chances are kind of low. It's going to get, it's scheduled to be released in 2022. I seriously doubt that's actually going to happen, but that's right. what's on for now. 
Um, but you know, it's, I've heard from other comics artists that that's not an uncommon experience in like the publishing world. So I'm just like, you know, I, I got my, my first check. So, um, it's, <laughs> I did the work I was paid for yes. and want me to do more then you know, I'm, I'm waiting on you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. Um, so what is a valuable lesson that you've learned that you'd love to share? Um, to our listeners um, who are either students, you know, artists that are going back into the arts or artists that are currently practicing as artists? Um, let's see, I guess two pieces. Learn to be really good at finding information. Um, so like, if you're like, oh, like, how do I get in galleries? Start Googling galleries in your area. You can literally look up art gallery, name of your town. Right. And art galleries will start propping up, start looking into those, like scour their websites, see what galleries are connected to, see what, you know, art foundations they're connected to, what opportunities they have. And you can find a lot from that. Or even mm-hmm. there are these like websites that are like callforentry.org that have a lot of, you know, calls for entries that you can get into. There are even some free ones that, you know, are, you know, ideal, ideal to get into, you nice. know, especially when we're starting off and, um, you know, that's how I got started doing exhibitions because, you know, mm. and also another thing tied to that is it can take a long time, you know, and you can get a lot of rejections because I, right now I've, I'm currently um, in about like four or five exhibitions for 2022. Oh, wow. Congratulations. But all that only happened in the past like month or mm. month or month and a half. And there was like, a year or two years prior to that where I was applying and applying and applying applying to stuff and not getting anything at all. Just rejection after rejection, nonstop. And so, you know, you have to be ready for that. And also just, you know, everybody says this, but it's so important to just be kind to other people, you know, absolutely everybody you meet because you never know who's who and you know, just, it's just good practice to do as like a human being. But, you know, it, if you're not somebody who's in the habit of you know, being friendly and being kind and being helpful, then it's good to know that you should do that because, you know, then people are more willing to connect to you and, you know, help you find opportunities. So definitely. And a big thing for me, I think was like, um, I have social anxiety and I've been working, working on that, you know? So it's like, I used to go to my art exhibitions, but like leave five or six minutes after, but people probably think that, you know, there's something wrong with you or you don't, you know, want to be there and you're not grateful, but it's always yeah. been a challenge for me to like literally, you know, be in the moment. Yeah. So I've been yeah. working on being in the moment. And I think those are one of the things too, as a, an artist that I've learned that even though you don't want to put yourself out there, you will miss that opportunity. You will mm-hmm. miss that connection or networking opportunity with someone. If you just don't put yourself out there, it's a vulnerable thing. But uh-huh. I think it's so beneficial because that's how we make a living, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, One thing I've learned, because I have horrible social anxiety, so I relate oh, to that so much. Yeah. Like the first art exhibition I ever went to as a, as a college student by myself, I got so scared. I found the supply closet and hid in the closet for oh, like shame. 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally get that. One thing I found that really helps for me as somebody who's super introverted, super reserved, um, like if you're at like an art opening or something, look for like someone who's like standing by themselves or like not talking to anybody or and doesn't and, look like they're yeah. busy and just go up and be like, you know, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so like, you know, what, you know, are, are you one of the artists or do you like work for the gallery? Like, what's up? 
And so that's a way that you don't have to feel like you're throwing yourself into a group. Instead, you're making a one-on-one connection with somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's a great segue. That, yeah, <laughs> you keep doing that. You end up connecting with a lot of people. So definitely. Um, so what artists inspire you? Um, we don't have a lot of, you know, minutes left on this call, but I did want to know what are you, what inspires you as an artist? Um, you know, I think the mindset behind the artwork I make or the philosophy behind it is, is from my upbringing, this mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, I always had this weird sort of sort of cognitive distance between having these very liberal values, but also being a Jehovah's Witness. Right. You know, so I just have this and also like this constant expectation of like doomsday is coming and that's a good thing, you know, so that there I always kind of had this sense of like this is kind of crazy that I believe this but I do and yeah. so you know, I just have this market appreciation for stuff that's like really crazy and bizarre and wild so that's really anything that falls in that line inspires me but also stuff like comic books um is a medium I like a lot I like a lot of indie comics um you know as I said anim- anime and manga are things that inspire me and I like a lot of like 18 like late 19th and early 20th century illustrators um mm-hmm. which like especially like fairy tale type illustrators like Aubrey Aubrey Beardsley and um Edmund Dulac whose name I'm probably butchering but um you know they they had a lot of Japanese and Eastern influence in their styles you know there's mm-hmm. Japanese May which a lot of artists of that time were influenced by and then there were, at the same time in Japan, there was something called Shinhanga that was going mm-hmm. on where the ukiyo-e prints, you know, that we all know about were mm-hmm. being influenced by Western art styles. Mm-hmm. And so that had really like interesting visual effects on, you know, drawing styles and things like that. So there's like Tori Kotondo, who is an artist I really love, um, who does Shinhanga prints um, and just stuff like that. This is where the, the East and the West are kind of mixing together. Yes, my own, I grew up in the U.S., but I'm, you know, Okinawan Japanese. And mm-hmm. so that, I always find stuff like that fun to look at. So That's so cool. Um, I had a question and I forgot and I'm hoping to remember again. Where do you see yourself in five years? Um, so I am planning hopefully to move out to the West Coast to be with my boyfriend. Um, so he lives in the Portland area. So, you oh, know, nice. I'm guess find out about the art scene there see how that is and you know I, I I'm continuing to apply to like residencies and fellowships and exhibitions and things like mm-hmm. that so you know I hope to you know be at a place where the reason I'm doing all this is because I want to be at a place where I have as much reach as possible to help as many people as possible I think um and to have enough expertise to be able to be helpful and useful to others, especially like other artists. So that's what I would think. Lovely, beautiful. And I just remembered my statement. It wasn't a question, but I would love to see your work animated. Like every time I look at your work, I feel like there's a story behind it or like some sort of movement where there's more. And I just would love to see your work animated. Um, but yeah, definitely fun. Um, we are running out of time. Um, so I wanted to know if you can please share, um, all of your social media handles, if anyone would love to purchase your work or just follow you on your journey. I know that you're mentioning that you're, you know, on your way to a different place soon and you have so many upcoming projects that I'm sure people would love to learn about. So please share all of that information now. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm the place I'm most active, but probably like most 
unhinged as it's been described <laughs> as on Twitter, which is um, Nami Oshiro. It's N-A-M-I-O-S-H-I-R-O, Nami Oshiro, just my name on Instagram, much more professional and tame. It's um, Nami underscore Oshiro. Uh, let's see. Um, and your website? And my website is www.namioshiro.com. And from there you can find like my, my, my online shop and all my other stuff. So, yeah. So it was so fantastic to speak with you today. Um, I'm always in awe of like all of the amazing things that you do. It's so wonderful that you're an artist, but also an art educator. And um, I'm so excited for this, you know, interview to come out because I'd love for people to know how beautiful you are as a person and what lovely things you have done. So thank you so that, much, Minami. Thank you. And that means a lot to me because I, I just adore your art, like in oh. the way that it's hard to even express in words. So, you know, I, I also want to put out there that for anybody who doesn't know what kind of art Hundi makes, it's, or Indigo makes, it's amazing. You have thank to you so it, much. So. Thank you so much. Great. Sounds good. Thank you awesome. so much, Hundi. Yes. So it's always so, so nice talking to you. You're just, I know. We should hang I, out at some yeah. point. I've been hiding from that. people, like I said, but I would love to have really coffee like. or something for you. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, for sure. All right. Take care. Have a happy Sunday. You. you too. Bye.